Just when you think you have it all down, all figured out, you're ready for the next big thing. Something happens and shifts not only the horizon, but the very ground you stand on. It's the part of life that no one likes to talk about. Loss. Robin Lane's world shifted with the loss of her husband, Mark. Suddenly, goals, benchmarks, achievements, and dreams morphed into the new reality of just me, and not we. Robin has constructed a new paradigm of living that includes a path to happiness. Come along for the ride. Learn how to live next to grief without allowing it to reign over you. Get ready for changing lanes. Here's Robin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Changing Lanes. I am Robin Lane, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. So, we all have our where were you stories. Where were you when JFK was assassinated in 1963? Where were you when Challenger exploded in 1986? Where were you on 911? These are our earth-shattering stories, the ones that cause us to stop our world in shock and grief. I believe 2020, in more ways than one, will hold that place in history. Where were you during the pandemic? But also, where were you when you learned that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away? Now, I know it's true that her death might not have been as shocking as others, given her age and health at the time, and I always feel badly when I hear of a well-known or famous person's death. I'm sad to know we'll miss their music, their humor, or whatever talent we benefited from. But this feels different. This sends a surge of pain through me. Although I never met her, this feels personal. Some losses create a ripple effect that impact the world we live in for so many years to come. I believe hers is one of them. I'm not going to go into an in-depth look at Justice Ginsburg's unending contributions to humanity. We all know she was the defender of equality for all. You may have seen the post on Facebook that said, quote, Women, if you have a credit card in your own name and your own credit history, if you've leased an apartment or bought property in your name, if you've consented to your own medical treatment, if you play a sport in school, you can thank Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, I lived those celebrations. Having been in my teens and 20s during the 60s and 70s, I know how my life and the lives of my daughters have been made better because of this powerhouse of a woman. So much so that my circle of friends and I carry these silly-looking RBG keychains to show a strength for her when she became ill. We always knew what a national treasure she was. But I want to go back to the idea that this series is about stories and the small and great losses we face in life and how we regain hope as we overcome our suffering and pain. But hearing about the loss of RBG brought me back to my greatest personal loss, that of my husband, Mark. I found myself in deep conversation with me, something I often do when I need to share a revelation I have. It started over the weekend when I found an article published in the New York Times in 2016 called Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Advice for Living. You might have read it. You also might have heard some of this advice repeated on the news stories this weekend about her. She says that her mother-in-law, on her wedding day, told her, quote, In every good marriage, it helps to be sometimes a little deaf. Unquote. She goes on to state that she has employed this throughout her marriage and extended it to her workplace. She and her husband, Marty, clearly had a charmed marriage. She states, 
I've had more than a little bit of luck in life, but nothing equals the magnitude of my marriage to Martin D. Ginsburg. I do not have words to adequately describe my super smart, exuberant, ever-loving spouse. Early on in our marriage, it became clear to him that cooking was not my strong suit. To the eternal appreciation of my food-loving children, Marty made the kitchen his domain and became chef supreme in our home. Okay, so let me tell you why this makes me stop and catch my breath. I'm also hesitating because I don't want to turn this into any form of self-promotion. You know I wrote Times on the Sidewalk as a way to talk my way through grief. So I'm less concerned about the number of copies I sell and I'm more interested in hearing if it's helpful to anyone who read it because they were seeking support and answers to questions that we can't always find. So if you want to just read this chapter, I'm happy to send it to you. If I refer to it in these episodes, it's only because what I wrote remains at the core of what I believe. Well, chapter six is called A Step Below. And without ever having the privilege of speaking to RBG, it draws some real parallels between her husband and mine. The chapter describes the messages I received in the 60s and 70s from first my father and then from Mark. It was a tough time for women, but also a most exciting one. I wanted it all, and for the first time, I actually believed it was possible. Well, as we all learned, it came with a price. Having it all meant having two full-time jobs, one in the home and one in the workplace. Women were under enormous pressure to prove that nothing in the home would suffer if we returned to the workplace. Everyone was watching to see if we should have been careful for what we wished for. Well, these were the high points. Getting the job that might not otherwise been offered to a woman, that was a great feeling. But they were the low points. Let me read this to you from what I wrote in A Step Below. There were times, however, when I wondered exactly what my gender was fighting for. In the 80s, I pursued my professional goals while raising two children, two daughters. Women wanted the right to have equal opportunities in the workplace. But once we did, sort of, we also went home to cook dinner, give baths, and clean the house. So reality was having full-time jobs instead of one. Mark was taking the early morning shift so I could begin my one-hour commute, but his career was growing in a demanding way. I still dealt with the daily household tasks and the basic scheduling of family life. My mind may not have been wasted, but it felt like mush. There was one particular moment when it all came crashing down on me. I got home from work after a one-hour commute. Still dressed in my gray suit with a blouse that tied in a bow with the neckline. What was that all about? With my big 80s hair and heels. Okay, so picture Minnie Mouse on a bad day. I greeted my daughter and immediately went to the refrigerator to start defrosting and cleaning the freezer. There were no self-defrosting freezers back then, if you can imagine it. To make matters worse, when I opened the freezer door, I found the shaker of salt I'd been looking for the night before. Record scratching... Honey, you can be anything you want to be. Okay, so Mark did not take ownership of the kitchen, as Marty did for Ruth, but he did sit down with my daughters when I got my first full-time teaching job and said, girls, mommy's going to start school when you do in September, and you and I are going to have to do more around here to help out. I do have to tell you, though, that it really was a time of great confusion. I was sort of living on the edge of two worlds back then. I married young 
that seemed a bit departed from the mood of the feminist movement, even though there is a range of thinking here. But what could I do? I fell in love. But I also wanted my career. I even put my education on pause until Mark finished graduate school, because one of us had to work. As I say in the book, quote, it may have seemed that I was submissive, that I gave up a lot to support a man, but they didn't know about the Wednesdays when I had to work late. I would drive up to see Mark sitting on the curb to save a parking spot for me. They didn't see that we would go upstairs to our apartment where each Wednesday meant lamb chops in the oven, my PJs on the bed, and the table set for my arrival home. So I ask you, who was supporting whom? He was also the man who told me I'd be a great lawyer, a great journalist, a great teacher, a great everything. He didn't just say it. He cut out the ads in the papers for graduate school, for jobs. He pushed me forward. I get the feeling Mark was to me what Marty was to Ruth. I ain't no RBG for sure, and please don't think I'm even trying to make that comparison. But we both had something that made success more attainable. We were both championed by someone else, someone who wanted more for us than we might have even known we wanted for ourselves. Maybe a part of why Justice Ginsburg was able to champion for others was because she understood the importance and value of being championed. She didn't just fight for the rights of women. She wanted equality for everyone. Even more now, I believe what I said at the end of my chapter. Quote, This isn't about gender. This is about human beings supporting each other's dreams and aspirations, whether they choose to build a life together or not. I said earlier that losing the best ones in our lives creates a ripple effect. I know my own personal life has been a bit myopic. What I lost, what my daughters lost, what my grandchildren lost, what his friends lost. But I'm realizing slowly, although it's something I think I always knew, how much the world lost. Mark was a champion of others. He worked hard and he gave back. I know this world goes on even when we lose a great one. But I also know, my friends, that so many lives would be a bit better had he had been in it. And so it goes with Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I do believe we will survive the Supreme Court nomination. We will survive the election. But we will always know it would have been better if she remained a part of it. So it's up to us. We need to pick up where great people leave off and continue the work they do on our behalf. Remember, I invite you to share your feedback and stories with me at dimesonthesidewalk at gmail.com, at Robin S. Lane-author on Facebook, or at robinslane.com. Until next week, stay safe, stay well. Bye. Bye.